Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Brooks Forsyth. Hi, everyone. Brad Large. Hey, how's it going? I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, Olga. Let me see if I can get this right. Andrienko. Yes. Excellent. I got close. She's yes. smiling. All right. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Let us know who you are and why you're so important. <laughs> sure. Uh, so my name is Olga. I'm head of global marketing for SEM Rush. Uh, that's a digital marketing tool that helps uh, millions of people online with um, understanding what's happening in search, what competitors do, and then how to make their website more visible in Google. Right. Yeah, I've actually used it. It's a great tool. If you're a front-end developer looking for remote work, then I recommend G2i a React and React Native-focused hiring platform that will connect you directly with their clients that need your skill set. What makes G2i a unique hiring experience is that they spend the time marketing you to their clients of your choice. G2i is a team of engineers that technically vets you up front. If you pass their vetting, their clients have agreed to skip their initial interview process, saving you time and energy getting your next gig. They take care of all the hard work for you so you can get focused on development. To join G2i, go to g2i.co and apply. I'm I'm a little bit just to give us a little bit of an introduction. So I got an email from uh, Felipe over there at SEMrush or SEMrush, and uh, he, yeah, he said that you're like this genius at SEO. <laughs> and one of the things I think that freelancers in general are looking for is some way to essentially attract customers without having to go do a whole bunch of extra work to get their attention. Right. So somebody essentially says. I need a software developer who can build stuff in Rails and React, and hopefully they come up somewhere close to the top of the search results, right? Uh, yes, it just really depends on um, on um, on what freelancers do and then what type of business they're in. Um, but well, ultimately, if they do have a website uh, where they offer their services, then um, what they need to um, do first is to understand what people are searching for um, in their um, in their niche, and um, for that, let's say that they have a very new website and they need to write content to um, to well to tailor it to the queries, but they do not know what people are searching for. So what I would um, I would go in two different directions. Uh, well, well, um, I would tackle it in like two different ways. So first would be to identify the websites of the competitors or similar freelancers and then understand the keywords or queries they're ranking for and um, then start building content around that. Or you just, um, well, you provide PR services. Um, and then you would, well, you would start from the keyword, like your main mm -hmm. um, service that you provide. So it would be PR um, services uh, and then see subtopics and the questions that people are looking um, for in terms of like PR firms. Um, and then maybe you would then go well in the niche of negative PR or maybe you would um, go... Um, and then write about, and then you specialize in uh, references and then, or events, and then it would be your niche. So, mm -hmm. um, 
So it just really depends on whether you want to compete with, uh, with the websites and then tackle the queries that they are ranking for, or you'd rather build um, your business and, well, um, from, and the content on your website uh, from the topics and subtopics that fit you best. Um, and so that's where you start. And then you write content, not about you, but rather educating customers and potential customers, and then just be well going one level higher up. Um, this well to provide value and help them with their questions before they choose you. That that makes sense, and it's it's interesting because um, I've talked to a number of people. Of course, I'm talking to them about starting uh, podcasts, right? And uh, you know, we have some of the same conversations where it's okay. You know what? what do your customers need, right? What, you know, what topics can you cover that you directly address, I guess, what you do, but yeah, go up a level and cover that, right? Because um, essentially then what you're doing is you're talking about the overall topic that your customers are interested in, as opposed to, you know, always harping on, hey, come hire us, hey, come hire us, right? Yeah, Um, and now I think, well, Google gives a lot more, visibility um, in the informational um, queries. So um, let's say if you, well, um, well, best PR firm um, in Dallas will have a lot, um, well, specific search result probably without a lot of, um, well, educational information that Google will give you. But um, if you search for like how to do PR for a small business, then it will be an article, it will be a lot of content sources. So actually, Google will give you a lot more visibility if you tackle those educational queries. And for example, there's an element uh, called, well, um, on Google page that's called Featured Snippet. And that's really high, well, high up. So that's position zero, as it's called. And um, Google only has um, this element for educational queries. Um, and the majority of feature snippets appear for educational queries. And that's where, well, they only always have, has a link to the website. And then the likelihood of people clicking on that is really high uh, compared to them scrolling down. So, um, yeah, so with the educational content, then you have a lot more chances uh, to win and go. I'm, I'm curious, what do you mean by an educational query? Um, so, how, well, how to boil an egg or how to do the podcast. Um, and then it would likely be like the paragraph um, um, of a, some snippet uh, from the website and the link to that website. So whoever gets this position um, wins a lot more traffic than anyone else. That makes sense. So that's really interesting because I kind of fell into a niche on YouTube that got me like started on traffic. If you, uh, it, it was, uh, yeah, I work on Salesforce. So doing Salesforce and MailChimp integrations was something that I was interested in for myself. And so I put up a video about it. And, um, if you Googled that, then all that came up was Salesforce essentials setup or MailChimp and Salesforce essentials. Then it was just Salesforce videos and me because the, the educational content, there just wasn't anybody doing that. So instead of, uh, so it was interesting to see how I stumbled into that niche, but that just by focusing on that kind of uh, long tail there and just going for a very specific use case and trying to tackle that, 
uh, I instantly saw some, some of that, uh, kind of juju rub off on me where I got a little bit more, you know, uh, a boost there. Um, so I can definitely see how the educational content plays into, to that. Yeah. How, how do you, Olga, for Brad's example, right? You know, he's talking about how to set up, you know, Salesforce essentials or something. Um, I mean, how do you rank for that as opposed to just, you know, a general search for Salesforce essentials, or is that the same keyword ranking? Um, it might not necessarily be uh, the same and the search result page could be different uh, with different elements. Um, I would not um, know exactly. So I, well, I would need to check um, these specific two, but uh, what definitely um, would appear um, as well, Brett mentioned, that was videos. And then, so Google has different elements for different type of queries and also for different industries. Let's say if you want to, um, if you want to rank in, um, well, in, um, so if you're freelance and then you do something about like um, in the food industry or in recipes, then you would really need to, well, to have videos. And then because there's a lot of like rich cars, there's a lot of, um, yeah, um, video, well, visual elements in on the search engine result page and um, how to rank for that. Um, you should utilize um YouTube not only as um, well as a video content, but what I always suggest doing is that um, you well, go to YouTube settings for the video, then um, ensure that you have a right description. And there's also a lot of work um, with tags and um, you can even do the timestamps. Um, and ensure that the transcript or well, like there's a longer description uh, with the relevant keywords and uh, YouTube um, belongs to Google. And so Google really uses YouTube transcripts um, and then, well, it just scrapes it uh, for, for the relevant keywords. And then YouTube videos are shown um, on top of the SERP. So, um, if you have YouTube channel and then that's a video, especially how to set up something online, then uh, you definitely have to utilize YouTube SEO. And um, even if you do the podcast, uh, what we do at SEM Rush, so with our podcast, we um, also recorded a video and we published that on YouTube. And uh, so we had... Um, this released as a podcast. We have this released as a video, also on our website. And then we managed to, and then also in the description and text. So that way we not only actually release a podcast episode, but we do have a video for people who would like to watch. And we also help Google recognize this content. So um, even if you have an upload video somewhere else, I always suggest um, to, to upload it to YouTube to um, utilize um, Google search. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm asking is, you know, so Brad has this video, right? So yeah. how, how do you get that? How do you get people over to your website? You know, say I wanted to turn it into a blog post. I wanted to embed it on my site. Um, or, you know, if Brad wanted to write, you know, is there a way then to get people like onto his blog on a blog post or something like that? Um, the video? 
Yeah, well, if if the video is in YouTube, then only with a link. But um, I think uh, the best way would be to write an article, embed the video there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how you, um, yeah, that, that's how you basically uh, already help Google uh, to, well, to, to read the content. And I think, um, well, backlinks are also an important factor. So you do have to have the relevant content um, and then technically, well, healthy website. Uh, and then um, if you, if you have this informational or educational content, it would be great to, um, to some other sources and then maybe give them a shout out and then we'll just say that, well, mention it to them that you referred uh, to their website and maybe they just um, use you as, um, well, somewhere as a reference too. Um, so building your backlink profile um, is um, like a really well, strong way and then really is important for SEO. Um, the other way, uh, if you already have some audience, would be probably, well, if you have a database and then you want to maybe answer, well, with your audience to answer some questions um, and do a poll or a survey. Um, and once they, well, um, one one person in the content industry, Andy Cristadino, and he's every year, he's doing the blogging survey to understand how often people blog, the, well, the top challenges they face, and then how, well, how long it takes to write one piece of content. Um, so then he has like 10, 12 questions, uh, and then he sends that to everyone he knows. And then so everybody fills in the survey. And later, uh, he well, he creates the article out of that uh, and shares with the same people. So what happens is that this um, survey um, gets a lot of mentions on other website because that's um, really like a collective effort of a lot of people. Um, and so it's trustworthy. And then data gets always a lot of links. So even if you don't have access to big data, then asking your audience some really simple questions and then building um, the yeah the article based on that uh, is a super strong way. And then even well, if you record a solution in the video and also include that um, below the survey or how to solve that challenge, then I think you really win together with uh, the educational informational query and also uh, with the links to that page. Nice. Yeah, I, that was a really big part of my uh, YouTube journey was figuring out, uh, to Chuck's point, like it's difficult to get people sometimes from YouTube over. So um, what I did there was I actually did just what Olga said. I, I created my own blog post. I embedded the video in there. And then I shared that with Meet Edgar so I could automate that. Once it was uploaded and everything, I could put different steps of automation in there to kind of leverage that and get a system in place. But creating that embedded video on my blog post is then uh, I get the indexing from Google, which is great. But then I also get that going back to my blog. And then the other piece was that a sales force actually reached out to me and shared one of my videos. And I got some backlink magic from that. And oh, my gosh, my views went through the roof because the trust factor of that, you know, their website was so high that it just completely, you know, took off. So that was really cool to see that. Can you just explain r- real quick for maybe listeners and, and maybe a friend, uh, what, 
what is a backlink and, and how does it, when does it help you, I guess? That's the, that's the question to me, right? So, yeah. Okay. Backlink is um, a reference. So if um, I have some content on my blog um, and that, well, th this is on the website, so that's a link. Um, and uh, when someone puts that link in their content, on the other on the on the website, that's my backlink. So that's that's something that people click on other well on other people's website and land on your website after that. Okay. Okay. So that's, so you need someone else to link to your content, and that that makes the backlink magic, yeah. I guess. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of an indicator of trust because if people are promoting your content, then Google uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Google's taking that into account for how much your content is like the value of it and the trustworthiness of it. And that's a big part of the, um, like guest blogging. So, you know, going on, um, simpleprogrammer.com and having a couple articles on there, uh, will give you some backlinks usually, or, you know, for me, Salesforce Ben is a big one or the brainy eight blog. So if I were to guest post on there, then because they get a lot of traffic and they have a lot of trust, then that kind of, imbues me with some of that trust and, and some of that value. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And from what I understand it, yeah. So you, when you guest post, when you guest post, you put a link back to, you know, Brad large blogs on his own blog at, you know, I do awesome salesforce stuff.com. And then I, you know, and then that, that link back to your website lends some of their authority to your website because they have a high authority for whatever terms you're trying to rank for. Yeah, it's another form of network effect that just kind of helps build trust. Yeah, but if you get, for example, um, for React, right? So Facebook has documentation for React, and then they've linked back to React Native Radio on devchat.tv. And so that's given us a whole bunch of um, extra, I, I don't know exactly what it is, extra authority, I guess, on React and React Native because Facebook is seen as authoritative. And so we get some of that. And then if some small React Native blog that doesn't have a ton of authority linked back to us, we get a little bit from that, but not as much as, you know, from a Facebook or, you know, some other entity that has a high authority for that particular thing. But it all adds up, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. And I wanted to also um, mention, so uh, let's say you, well, the website is... Um, pretty small um, and then there are not tons of uh, backlinks and then just, yeah, either it's new or um, freelance doesn't have enough time to invest in their own um, website and because well, they're busy building well, some, uh, something for others. So um, what I suggest doing is ranking with the help of other websites. So let's say, well, definitely I'll well, use Quora. Uh, in Quora, there's a lot of questions people are asking um, on, on your topic, on your related topic. So uh, what you could do is that you can craft um, really good answers. And then sometimes, um, well, here you can uh, link um, to your, well, so you when you build your author's profile on Quora, then you can insert link to your website or to and then describe what you do. And then sometimes when it's relevant, you can even include the um, link to your website in the answer. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. 
Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Because Quora has a lot of authority, uh, then your great answer has a high chance of ranking. And then it's, well, it, well, it will, your answer will be shown to a lot more people and eventually they will, you, you'll get more exposure. So sometimes if the website is super small, then I would suggest um, utilizing other big websites or forums. Well, so forums would be Reddit or Quora, like don't go anywhere else, but they do rank pretty high and Quora uh, is on top of the SERPs for a lot of information on queries. And that's how people actually trust you because you provided help. And then also if you get a lot of like, more upvotes there, then also it's just a social proof and the trust from others. Our uh, blog editor uh, was once chosen by Quora as um, like as an um, author um, of the week or something. So she had to submit 25, 25 um, answers to different queries. And then she included links to SEMrush when it was relevant and was more than five posts. And then we got really... Um, we saw the increase in traffic to those pages pretty significantly. Um, so I think it's really, um, yeah, it's, well, for us, it was a really good um, experience and it was in Spain. Um, but for English uh, speaking, English speaking world, I see uh, Quora ranking a lot higher. And also um, you can always find the blogs that allow guest bloggers to uh, write uh, to submit articles and then if you choose the um, website with high authority then your content will also be ranking higher if you embed your video there then again like you help people find you more with different content mediums i love that because it's the thing that i picked out of that like it's so much good information and really when you boil it down it comes back to like if you help people on these other places if you're providing genuine value and then just giving them more value by adding your links in there when it's appropriate, that that's just going to help your reputation, right? Yeah. yeah and it, it goes back to that one step up thing again, right? So not every answer you post on Quora is going to link back to your website, right? But you get seen yeah. as an authority one step up from what you do. And so you provided all this value and then they take it seriously, even when you do link back to your own website. And you get all of the juice from that as well. Yes. Yeah. So I would, well, right now, when people search, they um, don't really search for your website. They're searching for the solution for their question. And then if you end up being the one who answered their question the best way, then they're, well, they're trusting you. 
Yeah. So that's um, that like being the authority now, really. Um, and then well, the people, well, someone who people trust, then ultimately brings you clients. Yeah, my guess is is in the software arena, um, Stack Overflow would probably be a good option as well, just because it's that forum and people submitting yeah. um, solutions and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, I've seen a. Oh, oh yeah. I was just going to say, I've seen a huge increase in the amount of people in my network that are trying to become like silver and gold contributors on Stack Overflow. And it, it just made me think in my head too, like in technology, you know, with things changing as often as they do and these big sweeping industry changes every once in a while, um, you know, if you really jump onto that, there's, it's almost like a perfect storm for you to jump to the top of the pile because if you are being, you know, cutting edge and you're trying to be helpful, you're pioneering that kind of helpful attitude out there and trying to help people, then I'm guessing that it would be pretty easy to stand out. Yep. Yeah. And don't go um, further than frequently asked questions. So you can even check forums, not for for the sake of submitting there, but you can easily uh, find questions you can answer there. So that's why the forums are golden. You can still answer them on your own website. But um, if you don't know which questions to answer, and then you're in, well, you don't you don't like what uh, well like what questions you found on the competitors website. They well, then you look what forums rank for, um, and then you try to compete with the whatever written in there as answer, but on your own website. Yeah, I yeah. Like that I also like the or I'm thinking of the approach of essentially on like a Stack Overflow or a Quora where somebody, I mean, some people write really, really long answers, but sometimes you just kind of get a summary answer where it's like, look, you asked kind of this factual thing or you asked, how do I do this thing? And so you get the short, here's how you do this, boom. And, you know, so you could write a follow-on article that says, here's how it actually, you know, here's how it works. So here's the underlying structure. Here's some context around it or things like that. You could add that on. And then if people are looking for deeper knowledge, then you can respond with that as well, right? Okay, that was the short answer. Here's the long answer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I also think it's, I've run into several people who they're scared to put out content, or I wouldn't say scared, but they're just like, well, there's already stuff out there, you know, it would just be kind of noise. But it's kind of interesting to me, because I don't know if you guys know, but the internet is huge. And so like, when you when you put this stuff out there, it might be like secondhand to you, but when you put it out to your network, there could be a lot of people say I distribute on LinkedIn and Twitter. There are a lot of people that I put stuff out there and they're like, Oh my gosh, I had not seen that before. Right. So being the connector of the information to the problem, uh, that that can set you apart as well. Just being in the know a little bit. So just putting that content out there and and putting your, not being afraid to redistribute it is, is a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm kind of curious because I've, you know, I've been doing this for a while um, with devchat.tv and I've been working through some SEO stuff from Neil Patel and a few other folks out there in the industry. And one of the things that people get bogged down with is just, okay, I wrote this article. Now, how do I optimize it for SEO, right? So how do I, do I need to have like these certain meta tags? Do I need to... um you know, how do I make sure that I have the keywords in the title or wherever else I need it without it being like, um, you know, React, React Native, blah, 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 you know, you know, so I have 10 keywords all crammed into the title. I've seen people do that. Um, so what are, what are kind of the best practices as far as um, structuring the page and structuring the content 
so that it will rank for the keywords the best and not feel like I'm out there just kind of trying to, you know, get as many keywords on that page as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the best way in, if there is any, well, there is a budget, then it would be get the help of the tool at least for, well, to get the understanding of how, how, well, how to do it. But if you don't, then I would just go, um, so you, firstly, you need to understand what content already ranks, right? So, um, what if even without the tools, um, then just go into um, incognito mode um, and then type in your main keyword and understand who ranks uh, for for this content and then check their pages to see how long the content is and then what keyword they're using. Um, and um, so it's not about only one keyword, but it's also about related keywords. So I suggest either you, well, again, without the tools, then you combine, well, you come up with the list yourself or, well, it seems that that's what we help um, uh, to do. So we scan the top 10 um, rivals and we understand the length of the content. We understand um, the uh, related keywords, semantically related. So it means that it might not be um, having the same keyword always, but uh, it's, um, logically or associatively related. So the brain would kind of connect that together. Um, and also meta description, how long well, uh, it should be. And also we analyze where those websites get their backlinks from. So um, you can do it all yourself um, as well, um, except for the backlinks. I think that would be difficult. So you need to write a good meta description and then take care of your snippet first. Um, snippet insert, I mean, so a meta description would be 160 characters and uh, make sure to not really put long sentences there, but well, summarize and um, maybe even insert call to action there. Um, and then what I would suggest is that um, pay attention to re uh, related que well, keywords, not only your main one. That's how you um, make content more creative without repeating yourself a lot. And um, I would say that longer content ranks better. There's, it doesn't mean that you have to write all well, 3000 words all the time, but we've analyzed uh, the top ranking content like in different industries. Um, the, the best uh, would be 800 words uh, because people read content for three, four minutes and not more. Um, so focus on that. And um, also, um, um, except for the titles, what you need to do is ensure that um, there are no broken links. And um, if you um, if you have some, if you're linking to someone in your article, make sure that it's a healthy link, it's a healthy website, it's not broken. Uh, because if there's something um, wrong on the page, then Google will call it. And then, yeah, if they see some mistakes or errors, uh, they will be downgrading you a bit. What else can be done? Well, pretty easily. So if 
if for the for this well for a chance to rank in featured snippets um there's there should be so we analyzed the content ranking in featured snippets and it was around 40 to 42 words in a paragraph so if you want to compete for a really really strong um informational query then maybe try putting a paragraph um very informative uh for like full of 40 or 42 words and um, if you um, have like a bulleted list, make sure that it's also optimized and then um, has a title because that's also something that Google favors for featured snippets. And if you have an instruction, then it would be worth um, really optimizing that with um, uh, related keywords as well. So that's like, that's, a, well, that sounds probably a bit complicated, but um, <laughs> uh, it's... Um, Right now, in order to well compete in well in Google, then you well like get yeah Google will punish you for keyword stuffing, and also it will punish you if you uh, steal the content from somewhere else. So uniqueness is also a factor, and um, so that's why the variety of keywords and then like the presence of semantic keywords is so important. So I have a question about that because I I use. Uh, WordPress for my blog. And there's a plugin called Yoast SEO, right? Mm -hmm. And when I started off, I used it like religiously and I would actually like revise my articles and, and kind of change things up. And I tried to, you know, my first thing was to provide value and, and, or, you know, to get my unique opinion across or whatever it was, but then I would go back and kind of revise it according to their rules or whatever. And so one of the big things was the snippet and the description and things like that. But you know, as far as the, the keyword count and all that kind of stuff, do plugins like Yoast uh, help people to, you know, does that actually work with your blog articles or does it really just depend on who you're competing against? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Yoast definitely works. Well, a lot of people use the free version. I believe they have over like 9 million users. Uh, worldwide. So that's definitely a super powerful plugin. Um, and then it's really great for um, well, beginners. And um, yeah, um, that's, it, it's, it's, well, yeah, it's just, it's a really strong one. And um, I, well, I would suggest that like everyone who uses, is using WordPress, Yoast will really, really help. So I got my pick in early. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There is, um, there is a Competitor of Yoast, I, I, well, I will have to look for the name, um, and I can send um, this later um, if you have show notes. Um, then, well, Yoast, I believe, is like ninety nine dollars per month, and then this one is like twenty something. And um, so, if money is an issue, um, then I would, yeah. So that it has also good reviews um, and. It would be it would be a good one to test. So if you're not even like willing to invest in SEO, um, but want to see if that works, then I I'd say that like twenty bucks is definitely not um, that big of a price to test something. Yeah, yeah that's, well, I especially given the what you're probably going to make on a contract. Yeah, yeah, twenty dollars probably worth it. Yeah, I used the free version of of Yoast for a while, and it seemed to cover like your basics, but there were a lot of features that obviously when you get the paid it. So I would be interested in seeing what a couple of different ones were uh, offered, but 
you know, that's one thing that has been a focus of mine though, is to spend less time doing that. So if, if I was to have somebody like review my website, what, what are some of the key things I'd want to look for somebody to do for me? Well, if, if that would be an SEO professional, right? Right. Like if I, if I just go out and I'm like, okay, you know, this, I could crawl through my website, but I've got like a year's worth of content at this point. And, you know, uh, just for, I, honestly, I just don't want to take the time and I'd like somebody that I know is going to cover the bases. What would, what's like the starting point for that? What would I have? Who would I look for? What would I have them do? Uh, first of all, I would say it would be the um, technical health of a website. And then there are some um, easy fixes. Um, and then they should actually flag you any serious um, issues that block you from ranking. So um, it would be, um, well, the easy fix would be if you um, have a lot of images on your website, um, for example, like freelance photographer, right? So, well, I, I well, I don't it's not necessarily a good example for developers, but let's say a photographer has a lot of um, images and then they upload, if, they, if every image they upload is two megabytes, then it took, takes ages to load. So for, well, someone who would be looking at that website, probably the first suggestion would be to reduce the size of the images uh, because uh, the load speed really matters. Um, then they would understand if the website is mobile friendly and um, if the website has some login information, whether the website is secure. And um, then you, what you would have them suggest, uh, apart from like te some technical um, things, would be the content gap. Uh, so they would analyze everyone that um, kind of competes with you. And then they would, they would identify the content that you need to write and keywords um, that you need to rank for. So they would then uh, provide you recommendations on the keywords and then what content should be, uh, could be ranking for it. So content gap and the keyword gap is what they definitely have to provide. Interesting, that's, that's cool. Yeah, I've, I've not heard the keyword gap or content gap before. So that was an interesting concept to, to kind of get familiar with. And so if you're, if you're doing that, like it's very common for, uh, us as freelancers, everybody says, you know, the two pieces of advice that everybody gives out is charge more and niche down. And they often go hand in hand. So, uh, I mean, is it just a blanket statement that the more specific you write your content, that the better off you have of ranking higher? Is that, is that a blanket statement or, or is there a lot of nuance there? Or I'm, I really, um, what, what I believe in is that uh, tone of voice and then the audience really matters. And then also different people type in different queries um, in Google. So it just really depends on what niche you tackle and uh, whether, well, like your language matches the language of a client. And if that happens, then, um, well, Google will favor you. So it's just, um, um, I would not say, well, if you're in, um, if you charge more for, and then you provide some like, well, um, services to the audience that would pay more, they probably have a different query and different language than they want. So, um, and then it would be a higher developer, um, just cheap services or whatever. Like they would have different, um, um, well, intent. And that's where you really have to ensure that your 
um, your content matches the initial query. Awesome. Yeah. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. Do you have any advice about like finding out the language of, of the people that you're targeting? Like, are there, I'm guessing that there are just a ton of SEO, uh, SEO tools out there. Uh, anytime I've done a search, I've seen, you know, a whole bunch of blogs and different tools and things, but you know, how, how do you go about, if you were using SEO tools, how would you go about finding those, uh, basically like, you know, language that your, your potential clients or customers would use? One of our tools that's called SEO Writing Assistant that analyzes the. Uh, so after you, you analyze top ten uh, rivals who rank for the for your um, topics or for your keywords, then you're able to write um, content in the tool, and that's SEO Writing Assistant, and it has tone of voice. So we flag uh, whether you wrote. Uh, informal content or formal, and then whether it matches the like the content that is competing for the queries. Um, I haven't seen anything else uh, in any tools like this. So, um, and then I think where, well, what the tools really show you is um, whether your content um, is similar or better than the other content that already ranks. Nobody really knows what how, why Google um, prefers this content over the other. Like um, that's like over 200 ranking factors. So if we analyze the content that ranks on top and then their tone of voice, then we would be able on your content, then we would be able to say if you're, if you've done a good job or not. Um, that's if you rely on the SEO tools. Um, and what I would personally do is, um, to already, well, to focus on your existing clients or to the audience that you would want to um, have as clients and then see what their questions are and then what language they're using. Um, and if you have um, like a benchmark, then you can already work with those keywords that you discovered from, like, from actual people. Um, so that's the other um, well, thing you could do uh, because if you have a really, really specific niche, and then you, well, then you, and you have no idea what queries they would enter um, in Google, then you can just basically ask, or base, well, or use SEO tools and the keyword research and see on a larger scale what majority of people are searching for. I hope that answers your question. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a lot of good information. All right. Well, we're kind of getting toward the end of an hour. I'm, uh, I'm wondering if you wanted to just do a really quick pitch on um, how a tool like SEMrush fits into this approach. Um, yeah. So I will give you one example from our one of our clients, um, and then there was um, it was a local dentistry uh, in UK, and they. Well, I'm using that example because they have allowed us to to share um, their approach. And um, so they bought um, the subscription that was like um, $100 per month. Um, and what this dentistry was doing is that they were um, 
spending around $10,000 per month um, creating and distributing infographics about dental practices and then, well, um, and useful information about this topic. And what they did, they, it, they used it as a lead magnets and um, they collected emails uh, for people from people who downloaded this infographic. What happened then, they used the salesperson to call all of the uh, leads, all of the people who downloaded. And it turned out that people were not really interested in the, uh, going to the dental practice. Uh, they were just interested in the content and then they just, so they were not converting uh, those people anyhow. That's where the CEO um found um, like SEM Rush. So what he did, um, he run the analysis uh, of his own website, um, the competitors, and also um, any keywords like veneers and any um, keywords that were super relevant to them. And then he, um, in the topic research tool, which gives you subtopics and all of the questions that people are actually asking in search. So he identified the questions, the um, informational um, queries. So, um, and it would not actually be about his practice, but it would be how how expensive it is to install veneers. And then, so it was a lot about the dentistry. And uh, he then took a recorder a list of those questions. And then he went to his doctors and then he uh, recorded the questions from the experts because like doctors are the strongest experts. Um, and then he transcribed this content um, and put it on the website with a, like a bit of optimi optimization in terms of uh, keywords. And so they started and then he also um, did a bit of a technical um, work with the health of a website. So they fixed some issues. With, this, with the site audit that also is a part of the tool. And he um, added um, and well, inspired his existing clients to leave a review uh, in Google about them. So eventually they had like around 400 reviews. Um, so, so that content ended up ranking not even in Liverpool, but uh, nationwide, nationwide, so in UK because and that's well and uh, the audience that was searching for informational uh, keywords um, they actually they were on the decision making stage so they they knew that they needed to go to dental practice but they just didn't have the right answers to their questions and then after they found the well the answers so they well they actually took a decision to go to the dentistry that serve them like when that answered the question and help them um and then they cut down on the ads like almost they, they have no spend uh now and then ultimately that was just done well with the help of the tool that cost them like hundred dollars a month so that's um that's i think it's just an encouraging story um showing that anyone can do it because that was just a small business and um just tackling and solving the problems of their existing audience. So that's, uh, yeah, that's the whole process can be done with, uh, with the CMRush, with the content and with the technical fixes. So that's, um, I think that's just kind of um, helps to understand what the tool does and then how to apply it. Yeah, that sounds like a really robust tool set, like yep. to be able to do all that. 
Do you have any resources that people can go and learn more about SEO on? Uh, I mean, maybe SEMrush has a blog or you have another favorite website or um, thought leader or something that people can go and follow. Uh, yeah, we have a website um, with well, we have a blog and we also have webinars where we invite the industry top um, experts to share about um, their experience and what they do for their clients. And also we have SEM Rush Academy that is uh, free. Uh, and there you, we have the whole courses, like the SEO fundamentals and then keyword research and technical SEO. And uh, also we have the full courses and videos on how to use SEMrush with um, exams. So you can even get yourself certified. Um, and yeah, so that's that's all free. Um, and we want to um, also well, help not only um, with, well, with the future clients, but basically just how to market better um, without selling our tool. That's, well, that's exactly what I recommend to others that we're doing it ourselves. Cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Uh, unless Brooks or Brad, if either of you have, you know, other pressing questions, I don't want to cut anything off. If I'm good. I, I got a lot. That was a lot of good information. And I'm newer to SEO. Like I initially started off really strong and and trying to you know get into it, but you know there's a there's a lot to it. So I you know the tool sets out there. I think there's a lot of value in, in getting some of your time back by leveraging those. So I'm just really interested after this to dig in and see what's out there and do a little bit of research on those. Sounds good. All right. Well, um, yeah. Let's go ahead and do some picks then. Brad, do you want to start us off with picks? Sure, I'll start off. So like I said, when I started off, I, I started off on SEO. I, I was blogging and doing all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I didn't know that much about it. I still don't know that much about it. But I did use Yoast, the free version. And even that, um, you know, combined with the, the blog resources out there and things like that, I thought that was pretty good. So um, I, I would recommend if you're getting started, just the free version there, then that's fine. If you're looking for more advanced functionality, I'd be really interested to see that the other tool that uh, was mentioned, but, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll pick that. And then, uh, lately I have just been loving Kai Davis's emails. And, uh, so I want to recommend, you know, signing up for his, uh, email list because it's, if you're looking to get more leads or better leads and things along those lines, I feel like it's a pretty good resource and it gets me thinking about stuff every once in a while. So I'd, I'd highly recommend that. Cool. Um, I'm not sure Brooks is back. He had to go take care of some some stuff. He, he had a technician coming to fix something at his house. So I'll let him chime in here if he's here. And that otherwise I'll go ahead and throw in some picks and then we'll let Olga go. Yeah. It looks like he's not back. All right. I'm going to go ahead and jump in with some picks as well. Um, so I'm just finishing up a book that I've been listening to on audible called magician master. Um, the first book is magician apprentice. And uh, these are by Raymond E. Feist. Um, they're part of the Rift War saga, is what he calls it. And uh, anyway, uh, really enjoyed those. So uh, I'm going to pick that. I've also been watching The Man in the High Castle. I've been enjoying that, so I'm going to pick that as well. Um, and then I, I've, uh, I read a book over the holidays that I'm probably going to pick up and reread. Um, actually, like, read off of my iP iPad instead of just listening to it on Audible. And it's called Ready, Fire, Aim. And it's a, it's a really great uh, book about the process of growing a business and what you should be focused on at different stages. 
And uh, I, I found it very, very helpful. And so I'm going to pick that as well. Um, Olga, do you have some things you want to shout out about on the show? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, there's one book that I love. Um, and that's actually, well, that's about search, but about Google Trends. And then there's, um, uh, it's called um, Everybody Lies. So it's um, a journalist took, and how it all started, he took the Google Trends and then he... Uh, started checking. So he created the map of racism. So he an, analyzed the states uh, of the United States and then um, where the, like, where they're, well, based on the what queries were most popular in Google Trends, he then created like a map of what nations were most hated in different states based on the, based on what people type in Google. And that's where he actually like takes it to, um, different truths about what people type in because the only place where people are now honest um, is is Google. So they lie to their friends, they lie on social media, but the only place they don't lie because they want the best possible answer to their question is Google. So he then um, takes that to any part of life, uh, discusses you know, politics, taxes, uh, kids, marriage, and then just uncovering um, of what people are searching for. So that is um, that is a bit disturbing. Um, and well, in terms of like where you, well, when you see how, um, what people actually type in and then, but that's really, really um, educational for me at least. And then um, it has a lot of data and also um, about Facebook and social media. That's one. Um, the other book that I would um, suggest is Atomic Habits. That's nothing to do with uh, business. That's a book about um, developing, well, well, having just a better life with, um, well, just changing mm -hmm. your habits day by day because habits don't add up, they compound. That's the best phrase I got from the book. So that's uh, one of the best books I've read in 2019. Um, and in terms of the tool, I would um, recommend the tool called BuzzSumo. Um, that's a tool that has it's a freemium uh, tool, and that analyzes um, um, well different like, content that you have, or it tracks the mentions of your brand. It can, um, it yeah, it has a lot in terms of also trending content in your industry. And uh, you get a lot of really great value for free. Um, yeah. So for any anyone who writes content or who um, wants to understand what's trending now, um, that's the best tool. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. Um, Olga, if people want to follow you online, um, I'm assuming you're on Twitter and stuff like that. Where, where do they find you? Yeah, on, um, on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, um, and Facebook. And everywhere um you just type in Olga Andrienko with uh one a so it's all l g a n d r i n g o so it's just um yeah as um as my name but without well without double a in the, in the middle awesome we'll put links to all of that in the show notes and uh thanks for coming and talking through this with us it's been a pleasure thank you for having me yeah, now I have a whole bunch of homework to go do for my SEO. So, <laughs> All right, folks, we'll, uh, we'll have another freelancer show for you next week. And in the meantime, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. 
Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.